So, we've been opening the uh, discussion for questions in the evening. And we have some questions left over from last night from our internet viewers. Is that right? Um, or from the night before, even. What was the question? Where does faith come from? What is the source of faith? What is the source of faith? And how do faith and love relate? How are faith and love related? Well, first of all, there are different sources of faith. So there are different kinds of faith. In a kind of generic sense, uh, faith is sattvic. It's that which uh, enables us to be involved in a sustained effort. It animates us. Krishna says in the Gita, a person is his or her faith. So it animates us, so to speak, as I was saying the other day, that uh, using the a phrase of Puja Patrita Marsh, suspicion leads to suspension. So faith is animating principle in a sense. If we have faith in something, we can go forward. If we have a doubt about it, we're suspicious, then we're suspended to that extent. So it's thereby uh, virtuous and seen to be as such by people in general who say, well, at least if you believe in it, that's cool. If it, you know, something like that, or uh, well, works for you. You've got faith in it, so the the sense that um, that uh, the universal sense that faith has some value. Of course, there's the other side that people uh, speak of religious faith, and then we're speaking of a quality of faith and so forth as being. Uh, so often they speak of it as being a a um, a fallback position for those that don't have reason and so forth. But that's um, perhaps another discussion or related part of this one. First point to establish, I think, is that there is there is uh, faith is that which animates the world. Without faith, we can't go forward. Faith. Here is, is, is we were speaking about it is somewhat synonymous with well conviction faith conviction um, and so this as because it's a sustaining element hmm, supporting life making it livable hmm, and so forth it's said to be in the Gita of a sattvic nature. Hmm. At the same time, and thereby, it's uh, it's it's virtuous. At the same time, it's there are different types of faith, and in that sense, there are different sources of faith. So, according to our mind, according to our heart, mind is is considered like a reflection of the heart. Mind is a transformation of sattva guna, the quality of of sustenance of maintenance, of clarity, uh, of, uh, of goodness. Uh, this uh, has a corresponding psychic and physical uh, expression. We are psychophysiological beings in terms of, in terms of our material makeup. And um, so matter has a subtle and a, and a crude or gross form mind the mental system as it's described in the, in the Vedanta is a subtle form of matter through which the self which is categorically different Atma consciousness uh, 
translates, so to speak, uh, into gross matter and the actions that we perform. Mind is like matter and mind is like consciousness. It's different than the other senses, the five, it's called the sixth and the sixth. And it's of a different makeup. It has a greater capacity than the other the other senses, without which it, the mind, being in place in relation to the sense and the object that the sense touches, the sense, to a large extent, won't experience it. In other words, the sense... We, we're all in the same room and we all have senses by which we perceive what's in the room. But if we don't pay attention to the objects that our senses contact, we may not experience them. And someone will say, I didn't see that. But uh, it was there. So, so mind then, um, we kind of look at it poetically as like the heart is reflected in the mind. And the heart means here the, the chitta or the Sometimes it may also be translated as mind, but that part of our being that allows for perception, it's this communicator between Atma and the world. So that is going to be colored by the gunas. Sattva guna, Rajaguna, Tamaguna. So these kind of modes of nature, the, the influences of nature, material nature's influence that brings clarity, uh, that that that, that um, compels us to to progress, Raja, materially, to be somebody, hmm, and to acquire, and so forth, and Thomas, that which is like, if Rajas is Fostering action, Thomas is fostering inertia and um, bewilderment uh, under its influence. One may take intoxication, for example, mindless entertainment, uh, become absorbed in such, uh, and so forth. So these, anyway, uh, modes of nature and their... applicable universally in terms of foods we eat and sacrifices we may perform and uh, and so on and so forth uh, and faith so different kinds of faith so there would be so one source of faith will be Rajaguna one source will be Sattvaguna another will be the Tamaguna and so they have corresponding objects of worship for example and lifestyles as much as as I mentioned the Gita says person is his or her faith. So, we all have some faith influenced by the modes of nature and therefore corresponding objects of faith. But the question, I assume, is more related to divine faith. What, Where does faith in the things you're talking about, Swami, come from? I may be lacking in that. Where does that faith come from? So that's a different kind of faith then. That's not coming from the influence of the modes of nature. That's then the coming from revelation as revelation is then exemplified and taught by saintly persons. Revelation is that conversation, as I've described it, that by, by which the, 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 uh, the absolute, the Godhead, um, uh, it's the conversation that the God would like to have with us, the answering in a general sense and in a detailed sense as well, the, the question that arises in human consciousness, am I more than what nature seems to, to say? Can I rise above the, the restrictions, the limitations that nature imposes upon me? I sense that I can. Am I right about that? Or is that an, an illusion? This, this sense, this question arises in human society. The, when it said that young people ask 
uh, speak about how, to, how they would like to change the world, rise above nature and be more. And old people talk about how the world has changed them. So the spiritual idea is to stay young. <laughs> it speaks to that about us that doesn't age, the self, the atma, and how to bring it out from, under, from underneath the covering of material nature, that it can, one can be all that they can be. And so it answers that, that question in human society with a big, oh, yes, that's true, you can be more, and then all the mantras and so forth that follow that, and then the reasoning that follows that argument, if you will, that, this, that side of the conversation, God's side of the conversation with us, um, as to how, how to do so, how to go in a kind of a backwards way rather than in a forward way, how to go within to rise above rather than to go without and try to subordinate nature to ourselves and in a beastly type of way conquer over nature and, and be more and so forth. And then and that along those lines, trying to be more ends up making others out to be less and, uh, and, um, and you become only more in, an, in a beastly sense. You may, may be thought that to, to survive you have to be the fittest and that that may be the most beastly. But um, the Veda idea, Vedic idea is to be the kindest. And so, anyway, to go within. So, um, so someone then we have this this parampara, this disciplic succession of, of saintly persons, sadhus, and so forth, who are absorbed in that that conversation, and they're continuing the dialogue and uh, and 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 helping also to to, to mediate the, the language of the Godhead that the Godhead speaks to us in answer to our question. Our question is a heart question. Can I be more? It's the self speaking. But uh, the, the language that we speak in human society at best, or for the most part, well at best, uh, is usually lo- is logic or reasoning. Um, but the Godhead speaking in, in another language, in heart language. So the sadhu is the mediator because he or she speaks uh, the language of reason and the language of the heart, both. And so there is the revelation and then there's, for example, the book Bhagavad and then there's the person Bhagavad who personifies that, teaches it by example, teaches the, explains the heart message the Godhead reaching out with his heart and saying, yes, you're more. Hmm? Now you've come through so many species of life to human life and your human body is particularly wired for religious experience. Hmm? Hmm. So you can have it, yes. And then, but then, to, then, because we're speaking in the language of logic and reason, and all it has to be spoken to us reasonably. Our heart has to be accessed for the most part, through our reasoning. That's why I say sometimes when I speak, I see people are listening with their intelligence, with their reasoning, and they're not just letting anything go in to themselves, to their heart. But if you can capture their heart, then the reason stops. Then you can perform the necessary surgery or resuscitation, <laughs> pump, pump, pump the, some life in, in, into the heart. So it's not because we think that we know, but because we're 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 not no, we're we're consciousness, which is knowing. It's a unit of knowing, and intelligence and reason really kind of getting in the way of our knowing. But there's a way to address that intellect, speak to it in such a way as to as to get get to the heart, and 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 that kind of speech, which is a a continuation of an explanation of, 
a reasoning about what's being said from the other side, what the, what the God it is feeling, expressing that uh, to us through the through the 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 sounds that don't always make so much sense in Scripture. What are they really saying here, so forth? Hmm? So that is being that is, that is being explained with the heart. Therefore, nivrtatarshe upogiyumana. We heard from Bhagavatam. Raj Parikshit praised Sugadev. Nivrtatarshe upogiyumana. If we're going to be lovers, then in the least we can't be takers, because love is about as being a giver. So. Nivrtitarsha means Sukadeva was qualified to speak to Bhagavatam because he wasn't taking anything. This is the entry level of loving. That's why renunciation, which and detachment, which seems so harsh at a glance, is really the first step in loving. It's stepping back from what I'm not. And the, the ego self that I'm building by way of attachments to things that can't be maintained because nothing's really mine, stepping back from that and that identity that's formed by attachment, that I that comes from our sense of my or mine, stepping back from that is the first step in, in one sense, in, in, in loving. Therefore, Janiyatiyashu Vairagyam Jnanam Chayarahoitukam Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha Janiyatiyashu Vairagyam Jnanam Ashu Vairagyam Jnanam Cha means very quickly Ashu very quickly Jnanam Vairagyam Jnanam means knowledge and its corollary is Vairagya If you have knowledge then in pursuit of enduring life and happy life as well, we um, don't chase after things that don't endure. The coming and going of forms and names and so forth in the material world, the categorizing of the, of the temporary combination of, of the stuff of matter. Hmm? And uh, especially the naming it mine. Um, so to move back from that then is to move back from the world of everybody else. And people, where are you going? Well, you, know, you don't want to be with us. <laughs> what uh, you know? Where's the where's the love? Hmm? You're mine. <laughs> are you saying you don't want to be mine anymore? <laughs> no, it's we're saying we're all somebody else's. Actually, we all belong. To another, hmm? we are all parts. We all belong to the one. Hmm? We are all sparks. We all belong to the fire. Hmm? And uh, it's, but that's as much as others are attached and have created an identity and ego based on that attachment. Then it's difficult to. Um, I mean, misery loves company. Hmm? Attachment. In the Gita, Krishna says a nice thing. He says, Dukkha yonaya evate, with regard to material attachments. That it's the womb, yoni, of dukkha, of suffering. It gives birth to suffering. We're chasing after something for our happiness, and it's even it's forming our own sense of identity, and it's a recipe for suffering that we're, we're involved in. So misery loves company, so when somebody wants to move away from that, others want to hold them back, pull them back. And that person moving away is saying to them, whether you say it or not, it's, 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 it's saying you should be doing this too, because there's a lot of wisdom to this. It's hard to, hard to get around. So it's uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. But it's the beginning step, actually in bringing comfort to the world. You know, we have to start grassroots. You've got to start. Don't wait for everybody else. That's not going to happen. Everybody else, it's God save me from my friends. Sometimes we may have to invoke that mantra. <laughs> my friends and my family, it's possible. 
So, um, <coughs> so anyway, through through the good association then that is the mediator between the language of love and the language of reason, that person, that mediator speaks both languages, speaks reasonably about the feeling, om. It's the feeling. And it feels good. Have you become acquainted with that? It's the, it's, you know, what do they say? Om, sweet om. Om is the home. This is the this, this, this sound of the, of the Godhead in a general sense. Krishna is a sound in a more specific sense, more sweet, more intimate. But Om is the pranava, Omkar, the original, the, 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 the sound of the Godhead that is communicated, by which, through which the, some communication is made with the other side, so to speak. Uh, the, 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 the cause speaking to the effect. And then from there, Gayatri and on the Veda and Upanishad and all these sounds. It's a jungle of sounds coming. So someone to take those sounds and make sense out of them for us. That's theology. That's what we're doing here to make sense out of all of them. To apply some reasoning to uh, revelation. And make reasoning chaste, then, to its origin. Hmm? Make it, let, chaste means that it function in relation to its origin, not independently. Hmm? And which may end up in, intellectually at least, doing away with one's origins. And then the disappointments of modern society. Hmm? The emptiness, the existential angst and then the scientific, whatever, empiric conjectures <laughs> based on, on evidence that um, try to make us uh, feel good about being not being there, not being anybody. So that to make keep reasoning chaste to revelation, this is the idea. Hmm? And so, who's doing that... Um, is speaking reasonably as far as possible, but with a heart. That person has to have been touched by the sound. Krishna has to have been touched, heart changed, to be animated by that alone. If the intellect is animated by that, then mind will be, senses will be. That person is is valuable to be, and to come in touch with that kind of a person. That's most valuable for us. Sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sarva shastrikoi, lava matra sadhu sangha, sarva siddhi That will change the course of our life. So this then is the source of the kind of faith that our questioner is interested in: divine faith, who has faith. Hmm? who's in touch with the land of faith. Hmm? Now, what is the relation between faith, this faith, divine faith, and love? In one sense, the relation is faith is the beginning and love is the end. Ado shradha. It begins with, with faith, generated by sadhu sangha. We say Ado Shraddha, Sadhu Sangha, Tata, Bhajana Kriya, Anartha these are stages of development. Ado means beginning, Shraddha. The path begins with this faith. And it's faith in this revelation, in the idea that perfect knowing which will foster perfect action and therefore for thereby perfect happiness or fulfilled life. Perfect knowing require to arrive at that requires a perfect method. So our own instruments 
materially speaking, are imperfect. I mean, we are steeped in some one degree or another of imperfection. And these instruments that we have are a product of that. Our senses, our, our body, that our body is made up, our mind, our intellect, these are products of, of karma, according to the Vedanta. We've sown, we're reaping. So uh, these are instruments that are products of our attachment are not suitable in and of themselves to uh, free us from the predicament. They're fostering the predicament. But there's a way to use them such, as I say, in touch with revelation and so that, that can um, give them some positive value, purify them, if you will. Hmm? Um, and so, Adho Shadha, this, uh, uh, this faith means beginning, and faith means in, in a perfect means of knowing. The basic idea being that if the whole wants the part to know, the part can know the whole. Otherwise not. If the infinite wants the finite to know itself perfectly, then out of its infinite capacity, it can make what would otherwise be impossible finite to know the infinite possible, all things possible from the infinite perspective. From the finite perspective, then there are so many impossibilities. So we're living in a finite consciousness and in our language, in our dictionary, the word impossible looms large. But from the finite perspective, there's no impossible. Impossible is not part of the, the dictionary there. So if the Godhead wants us to know the Godhead, then we can know. Otherwise not. This is a simple kind of argument for perfect knowing. In other words, what's the perfect method for knowing? You have to fold your hands like this. And admit that you don't know. That's a good beginning. I don't know. That's a problematic. And, um, and so the more we understand that we don't know, the more we become capable of, of knowing, the more we create within ourselves a teachable moment that the world that's actually speaking to us, if it is alive, if it is conscious, if the universe and beyond has intelligence, hmm, then we have to become, and has something to teach, and we have to become students. Hmm. Um, we have to become not masters, we have to, so the more we acknowledge our our plight, I mean, I mentioned that video that somebody told me. It's it's pretty pretty interesting. It's very short, but it's very profound. It's showing how small the Earth is next to the biggest known whatever star or something like that. It's like a, it, you wouldn't even sit there on the screen, hmm? and then we are one one person, one small mind that we're living in inside of that, and this is just. Uh, and, 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 and according to the Vedanta, of course, and the Bhagavad, hmm, this is one universe. And it's emanating from the poor hole on the body of Vishnu. This is a way of telling us, <laughs> you think you're small, you think again. <laughs> huh? From the poor hole of the body, it's said poetically, the universes are emanating. Hmm? And, and 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 in Chaitanya tradition, that person, his source, if you will, Krishna, you, that's who you want to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. That's who you want to love. <laughs> in intimacy, you see, what an astounding idea is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Well, how small we are, how big then is bhakti, that it can bridge this distance between the Godhead, Ahamsarvasya Prabhabha, from whom all everything is coming, where is a tiny, tiny, insignificant part of that. Hmm? And bring us so close hmm, that he subordinates himself to, the, to that kind of bhakti. Hmm? This is so 
Then we say Bhakti Devi ki Jai, Jai Radhe. That's a, she's that's a big thing, Bhakti. She's big. Hmm? Um, so we should have faith in this. We don't know much. Hmm? We should have faith that we're suffering. Hmm? That argument that is taken up, the, the, you know, the continuation of the discussion, the translation and so forth, of the sounds of the scripture uh, into the language of reasoning for our benefit. If we listen carefully, we see that it tells us things that we can verify. We like to do that. Hmm? That gives us some faith that we can verify. It, it also speaks about things that if we continue to follow that reasoning, we will also be able to verify at least... Uh, first, we'll have first-hand experience. And we can talk to our guru bhai, our, 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 and, and he or she can confirm as well, yeah, I experienced the same thing. And it's also talked about in the scripture. But it may, but that requires that we put in place and begin to act in terms of the things that have been shown to us that we can verify. Dukkha yonai evate. Attachment is the cause of suffering, the Buddha said. Thirst hmm, brings suffering. Thirst means attachment. Hmm? Thirst, Trishna. Hmm? Trishna, not Krishna. <laughs> so, uh, in other words, the sadhu will speak about things that are pretty hard to get around, pretty hard to deny, and they're right before our eyes, but we couldn't see them. So here she speaks in such a way that we can see things right before our eyes. We're there all the time. That should foster faith then in everything else that that sadhu is saying. The other side, so to speak, that you can't see with your material eyes, but that if you, if you respond to what he or she is making apparent to you that you can't deny and start to cultivate in a positive way detachment through bhakti, which is about attachment to truth and ultimately to, to Bhagawan, to, to the Godhead, the charming hmm, heart of the absolute that Krishna represents. Not hard to be, to give yourself to that, to him. Hmm? That this, this will foster objectivity in relation to the world, real objectivity, detachment, not laboratory objectivity that you, that you give up when you go home. Hmm? No, the whole life of objectivity. Hmm? In other words, we, we objectively see that my attachments are forming an identity that, that I'm struggling to preserve and that I can't. And, so I move back from them. I stop doing things that I know with my own intelligence are not in my interest. That's yoga. So, good company fosters faith in enabling us, as I say, to see things that were there in front of us that we couldn't recognize. And the other things then that seem more fantastic. They are. They are fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) In that sense, they are fantastic. Uh, It's a fantastic possibilities for you, but it's not a fantasy. Hmm. There are fantastic possibilities for the self. Now we're like ice. Hmm. What can ice do? Cool water? And if we melt... hmm. In good association, if the heart melts, then it becomes water. And what can water do? So many things. Water, you can bathe, you can drink, you can, you can produce light. Water is life. So, so to change, we're anthropoid, so to speak. We're frozen over to our attachments. And we have a hard heart. So this is this is the world of heartlessness, as I said the other day. Nature never forgives, never. Hmm? Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
Humans forgive sometimes, and God is always forgiving. Hmm? So the trick is, we, we are in the middle of the point. Is We have animality about us, hmm? but we're at a stage in animality that, our, that the Atma is coming out. Hmm? That which is categorically different from matter. Hmm? Now, if that little spark that we are can be connected to the fire, our source, hmm? then that animality can be retired. Then, then, we, then we can always forgive. Hmm? We can be a lover. Hmm? And we can see... But we can turn faults into ornaments. Hmm? This is the nature of love. Mother called her blind son lotus-eyed. Hmm? She was blinded by affection. It's a good thing. Hmm? So, faith then, divine faith, is generated by those who have faith, and they have faith in in revelation, in in this idea that that the necessity, the need of human society is answered by the system, if you will, just like the necessity of other, other, every other species of life is met by nature. Every, every species of life has certain necessities to eat, to sleep, to mate, to fend, for example, and these are all met by nature. Every species has a defense system, defense mechanism, as far as the whole thing can be defended, right? Ultimately, it can't, but skunks have, the, they have a lot, we have a lot of them here, you know, they have their tail, it goes up and out comes the perfume. That's their <laughs> defense system. So everybody's got a system. Everybody's got that they know what to eat. Except us, of course. We're, we don't know what to eat. We don't know how to protect ourselves. <laughs> we don't know how to sleep, whether too much or too little, and we don't know how to mate. We're confused about all these things because we don't address sufficiently the main question that arises in human society, why? Why? The, the, the idea that there, was, there must be a purpose, there must be meaning. And I heard this fellow, British guy, atheist, arguing with a British theist, you know, a debate. And, and the one fellow said, the theist, that, that science does not answer the why questions. And the science fellow atheist said, there are no why questions. And I thought, if I was there, I would have said, why do I have to listen to this? <laughs> there are no why questions. <laughs> why is the question of human life? Why? We ask it. Hmm? If the answer is, shouldn't ask it, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, no, 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 to the natural human question. It's being asked in human consciousness. The Vedas are saying, yes, yes, yes. And here's why, and here's how. You can realize that, validate that, and so forth. And we find that people who follow that, they seem to live independently of matter. They're able to let go of so many things that other people think, how can you live without that? You may even find a yogi living in a cave, just eating eating air, a breatharian. How can he live like that? Hmm? Of course, as long as the atma is representing, is represented through the medium of the body, then it's embodied, you know, to an extent. In order for that body to continue, you got to, it, it's, it needs certain ingredients. It needs some air. It needs some water and so forth and so on. But, you know, if I unscrew the light bulb, it doesn't mean that's the end of electricity. Hmm? You understand? So, at any rate, hmm. this is where faith comes from, from sadhus. And so, and, and, and they, they represent... Uh, they, they don't think of themselves in a big way. They think, I'm representing the revelation here. I'm representing it. Uh, I'm imbibing it, and I'm, as a result, I'm starting to speak the language 
of love. I'm understanding that. I'm, the heart is melting. I'm becoming a lover. Hmm? And so that's not a needy condition. Hmm? That's a condition from which one, one can share, can give. Others in need, then naturally he or she wants to share that. Their very movements are, are, are sharing. And so even unconsciously, without hearing from such people, without becoming students of such people, if we contact such people, there's a beginning here, a beginning of shraddha, a beginning of faith, an unseen beginning. This divine faith is coming from such source. And unconsciously we may do something in relation to a sadhu. We may... We may as, this, as the sadhu um, drops something and we pick it up for that person. Could have done that for a thousand people who are animated by a different kind of faith, hmm? moving for entirely different reasons. And so the result will be somewhat tied to that. If the person is motivated and moving for only divine purpose, and you do something, you don't think anything of it, that we create some sukriti. Without knowing it, sukriti, that's just like a beginning. Like if you plant a seed, when the seed starts to come up, we say, hey, that's coming, the corn is coming. Of course, it has a beginning when the roots are going down. That's unseen. So this unseen work that generates faith the generator is the same, hmm? the sadhu. Hmm? Unseen, by moving in the world, generates faith. Therefore, it's, there's no cause. It's, it's said, luck, in the Vedanta language, is sadhu sangha. That's luck. Good fortune, luck. person moving without cause means a person moving not under the influence of karma, cause and effect, free. Hmm? Moving daivim prakritim ashritaha mahatmanastumam partha, Krishna says. They're moving under a different shakti, not the maya shakti, antaranga shakti, swarup shakti, a spiritual energy. So they're creating faith by that. Unknowingly, people become involved. Then, with some knowledge, they become involved. Seems like a good thing. Let's go hear that sadhu. Or maybe we could go watch Avatar. It's playing at the theater or something like that. Take your choice. Well, let's go hear the sadhu. And someone said, well, okay. So with some knowledge. And then after, with no knowledge being involved, being involved with some knowledge and some appreciation, then suddenly this thing we call shraddha, faith, dawns. And we realize, wow, this is talking to me. I mean, the real me. It's talking about the better part of myself, my higher self. And I was going to take knowledge, information, and use it for my small purpose. And I find that this knowledge has a purpose of its own, an agenda of its own, and I'm on that agenda. I feel I have to partake in this. This will be good for me. This is called shraddha. So, Shraddha is the beginning, but there is a beginning prior to Shraddha in the form of Sadhu Sangha, known or unknown. Hmm? Two types of Sadhu Sangha on either side of faith. Hmm? Sadhu Sangha that generates the faith. When the faith is generated, and we have the conviction to proceed along the courageous path of uh, ego effacement, in the context of culturing real love, this is this is a, it takes real courage. Hmm? Then to help us on the path, sadhu sangha, on the other side of faith, to generate the faith. Now I've got the faith. What do I do now? I've got some conviction. It's tender, and I want to go forward, but there are obstacles and so forth. So sadhu sangha is there to help strengthen that faith, to fortify us in that faith, to corner us from every angle. Hmm? Mm-hmm. We, we we can't. Get out of it. Hmm? In other words, faith, it's a clearing for the moment at least in the beginning of doubt. And I feel like, yes, hmm? 
I got it. Yes, it's possible. I'm more than what nature seems to say in the way which seems to limit me. But then reasoning comes, hmm? rationalization comes. Maybe not. Maybe it was just a moment. You know. Maybe anyway. I got things to do. They're, they're important things here. Sada keeps giving us that. Sada keeps giving us focus back. No, no. This is important. And our mind tends to be distracted. We'll, reasoning is not under our control of the self of the atma. So we'll rationalize away the value of sadhusanga, the moment I had when I could understand, yes, this is where I should be, this is what I should do. And the world is speaking loudly. No, there are other things to do. There are more important things, after all. And then the rationalization. And so we find Arjuna in the first chapter of Gita rationalizing. And Krishna gives him a good thrashing. And calls him a fool for all of his reasoning and so forth. Then begins to show him why. So that sadhusanga is on the other side of faith also to strengthen us. And in the context of that that kind of sadhusanga, then we find a sadhu who stands out in our life by example and by knowledge, and we attach ourselves to that sadhu. That's how he becomes then our guide. It teaches us the way, how to apply bhakti in our life and so forth, how to, how to, and to grow. And the first growing is the, that there's a growing in such a way that unwanted things, false values become apparent for what they are, and they're left behind. They're discarded, they're dropped. And then what happens is this faith starts to grow and become a, a, a conviction that is um, un, undeterred. Hmm? Major impediments to tender faith that has been strengthened by sadhu sangha and subsequent spiritual practice under the direction of the guide. Hmm? This uh, kind of conviction, nishta, doesn't let anything get in the way. It doesn't let any lesser value take precedence. Some obstacles still remain there. The mind may become distracted, hmm? but, but it doesn't let that get in the way. This kind of in, in sustained practice of conviction hmm, uh, that makes one humble at the same time. It's very interesting because it's a conviction. I'm right about this. Hmm? I'm right that I'm small. Hmm? I got it right. I'm small. I need help. I I should live gratefully. Thank you is my mantra. Everywhere is my teacher. Everything is teaching me. The world has been speaking to me all this time. I've been ungrateful. I haven't been listening. The guide is pointing it out. See how the sun is moving, telling you you can't keep anything. You didn't listen to that, did you? You just thought, oh, how nice, a sunny day. I can go in a choir. <laughs> no. Hmm? So then the whole world starts to speak to us. So we're cornered from every side. The world is saying, go for it, go for it. Yes, I'm listening. All that encouragement has been there all along. Hmm? But I haven't been listening. And then I get a taste for that. And what was originally the medicine has now become my food. I'm living on that, chanting the Nam and so forth. And uh, and my heart has come out. I'm being guided by that. The dawning. It's like moonbeams of love from that side coming and illuminating me and softly and a cooling, putting out the fire of material existence, the fire of desire and so forth that I've been fueled by. It's burning me up. I'm disintegrating from this. I'm cooled now and and reformed then. I, I, I become attached 
to Krishna, an object, if you will, that 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 uh, is immovable. He's everywhere. Hmm? Um, steady up, not an object that's here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? I'm attached to the center. I'm on the circumference. I was supported by the center all along. Now I see what I'm orbiting around. I'm connected with that. And in a particular way, also in a particular sensibility, with a particular taste for the center. Hmm? Sakya, Dasya, Batsalya, Mabirdya, like this. Then, then one enters into Bhava. This is the ray, then, of the sun of Prem, of love. You began with faith through Sadhusanga. Faith is the beginning, then the formal beginning. Hmm? Now I can tread the path. Hmm? And then Prem turns into love. That is the end. Prem is the Prayojan. Hmm? And all along, faith is increasing. Faith, that faith, that conviction, it more or less turns into into love. Hmm? It's it's unautomatic. In other words, we have faith, so we calculate and go forward. And after a while, it's automatic self-forgetfulness. Hmm? I'm just serving the center hmm? because. I don't see myself as different from the center. This is bhakti. Hmm? I see that the center, Krishna here, and love of Krishna, they're one and the same. It's a we. It's a dynamic union. I don't mean that the individual gets canceled out. Hmm? I mean that there's a union of will between the Godhead and the individual self. So the, the gap is bridged even between Worshipper and object of worship, that is love. It's automatic self-forgetfulness from self-sacrifice and the calculation involved in it to self-forgetfulness. This is love. This is the Brajlila. In the Brajlila, the, all those gopis, gopos, cows, all, they, are all, they all feel Krishna is one of us. We are all in this together. We are, all, we are one. We are Brajbasis. It is a dynamic... Union. Bhakti means for a dynamic union, where you and I become we. It's not that you... Union doesn't mean doing away with everybody else. It's a harmony. That means many notes, all working together. So it's not a simplistic, monistic unity, but a unity of, of, of love. And, and so what is the conviction in love, then? Hmm? It's almost like you don't think about it. It's just, <laughs> it's automatic. So this is anyway something about faith, its 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 source and its relationship with love. Hope that helps. What's the time? So we have more questions. We have a, you, you told me you had a question earlier. What's that? From Gary. It says, in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, verse 11, uh, Krishna says, In whatever way people take refuge in me, I reciprocate with them. Everyone in all circumstances, O son of Prita, follows my path. Is this a case for predestination slash predetermined action? If so... Is free will merely yoga maya, or is free will known because action is known? It's not about predestination, it's all about choice. The verse is all about choice. Krishna says, as you choose to approach me, I will reciprocate accordingly. So, you have some some choice in the matter. So it seems some choice of matter, but we cannot say at the same time that in the mind of Krishna how he would like to accept service from us eternally is, is unknown, but he wants us to to want that. Hmm? So, so there's an overriding will, hmm? the absolute, satya sankalpa, whatever the absolute wills is. Hmm? But it's complex. We are a unit of that, whole, and so 
we have will also, but it's not such that whatever we will happens. We're dependent upon the overriding sanction, if you will, the will <laughs> of the of the of the absolute. So, um, so I like to put it like that. Krishna wants us to to want him. Mm-hmm. And because you say, well, whatever he wants happens, so it'll happen. <laughs> we'll, we can we we'll go that far. It'll happen in due course when you when you get around to that, uh, exercising your you know finite will and making it one with the supreme will. Then all your dreams will come true, so to speak. So. So it's kind of a, uh, it's, uh, so the Krishna in the verse is saying, as people approach me, then I reciprocate accordingly. And there are different ways in which we might approach. Some people approach God for material things. So there's some choice in that matter. If there's no choice in the matter, then what's the purpose of the scripture that tells us that there are things that, that are in our interest and things that are not in our interest? Are they talking to an automaton? who has no choice in the matter, what the heck are they putting choices forward for then? Hmm? The, the scriptural statements. No, they are. So the, the self is a doer, an agent of action, but it's not entirely independent in its action. So it's dependent upon certain factors being in place, and the overriding factor is the sanction of the supreme will. So, hmm. after all, What's the most valuable thing that we have? Think about it. What's the most valuable thing that you have? Hmm? Choice. If I tell you you have no choice, if you have no free will, then you will and want it. That's it. It's over. I have no free will. Hmm? Then... I have no life of my own, right? This is extremely valuable. But in order to have it, then, you have to be able to choose the wrong thing. Don't blame Krishna for that. You can't ask for both things at the same time, right? That I'll always make the right choice or something like that. Then, Then you don't really... And you don't have. Why didn't he make me that I always made the right choice? Because he made you at will. Because he didn't make you. Nothing's created. Everything that exists always exists. For the same, we better get used to one another. Um, <laughs> nobody's going anywhere here. So, uh, <laughs> so, of course, we can change. That's good. We can change. We can come. We can cent- center. Put our focus ourselves toward the center. But so some some minute freedom is there. Freedom is inhibited. Our choice is inhibited in one sense by our actions, because when we make certain choices, then we form a tendency to choose in that way, and so that makes it difficult if those are the wrong choices to make the right choices when that opportunity presents itself, and so we get into this kind of a deterministic loop. Um, in the context of karma, we've chosen in a certain way, and so now we're reaping the results of that, and that's fostering, repeating the choice, repeating the choice. And so the more we become materially absorbed, the more our choosing capacity seems to disappear. It becomes more and more covered. The self, which is the unit of will, becomes more and more covered. So... Forceful divine intervention can change the course. Therefore, sadhu means who cuts. This is another meaning of sadhu means saint. It means who cuts. Cuts like a knife. Attachments. Forceful. By sharp speaking. He's not just there to pat us on the back with flowery words about the goal. It's all one and... Being and becoming, and, <laughs> and what can I say? 
And everybody's, oh, wow. <laughs> no. He speaks, she speaks sharply and cuts like a knife our attachments with a sword of uh, knowledge coming from revelation is a source of good good knowledge and insight. And so he or she talks about the goal, and that's beautiful and flowery, but also considerably about the path, which is thorny and difficult to tread. So many people speaking about the path, speaking about transcendence and Vedanta, and they'll say, the path is illusion. Hmm? There is no path. Hmm? That's very convenient. And, and people may like, that. yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, the path. The path itself is illusion. Wow, how profound. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's some truth to the way that speaks, but it's translated out and interpreted into excuse for not knowing anything, really. Um, and, and, and not giving people any substantial handle as to how they can actually proceed. And you can't just say, right, yeah. Um, you can't just think yourself into uh, enlightenment. You've got to stop thinking. Chanting will stop the thinking. So there is a path, actually, and it's thorny. It's, 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 uh, uh, the rose is surrounded by thorns. It's not easy. Spiritual life. It's the most difficult uh, challenge that you could possibly come in touch with. It's not an easy thing. So we should get good encouragement, but that uh, you can you can expect uh, that um, you know no peanut butter. This is somebody I'm talking to there. You know you can't. You, know, you have to. You have to. <laughs> it's a difficult path. <laughs> That's a private joke. But anyway. Hope you're listening. No, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so there has to be some restraint. There has to be some sacrifice. Lots of sacrifice. Heaps of it. Love is born out of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, there's some choice in the matter, and divine intervention really gives us the chance to choose. Bhakti, for example, choose the spiritual path by sadhu sangha that comes, and then in the context of that, we we we, we choose and we we make a particular approach. We may be approach for different reasons to Godhead, and Krishna is going to reciprocate accordingly. If we choose bhakti, if we choose to embrace the heart of the Godhead, hmm, then in the context of that, there are other choices. But really, what it's doing, what we're doing is we're we're Choosing to be what Krishna would like us to choose to be, his friend, his lover, and so forth. So there's an experience. It's like experience is like I'm choosing, and there is some choice in the matter. But at the same time, you're choosing what's already known by the whole that is all that you can be. So it's complex, but there is will on the part of the jiva, mm-hmm. atma, is a doer, agent of action, in a, in a relative sense. So the verse really is more about the will of the jiva than than not. Mm-hmm. As you approach, then and Krishna tells Arjuna, "I think and I feel and I really wish that you would choose to do this." Hmm? I've told you everything now. Hmm? And, you know, you do what you want, he says. That's the Gita's beginning of the end of the Gita. So I've told you everything, do what you want, he says. But, manmana, bhava madbhakto, madhyaji, mamnamaskaru. I wanted to say once more, <laughs> I really think that you should you know, become my devotee. This is how I, I want to let you know. I really want you to be my devotee. So you do what you want, but I really want, really badly, I want this. Hmm? That's what I think is in your interest. But you don't have to. But, but then he's almost like, how can you resist him? Such affection, he's, he's going after us. Hmm? 
life of bhakti performed on the stage of surrender, saranagati, of letting go of other pursuits. So the verse is much about uh, what little free will we have. Hope that's helpful. Make the right choices. That's what's in your in your interest. They may be difficult sometimes, but that's what you're saddled with and your burden be honest with you, is no bigger than anyone else's. Hmm? You may have a physical burden, others have mental burdens, psychological burdens, all kind of burdens. And every, every person's burden is just as hard as everyone else's practically, hmm? on every level. So we're all, you know, get, get solace from that and pay attention to what you need to do. So, all right, we'll stop there. Simon Mahaprabhu ki jai, Ratan Guru ki jai, Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Isi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Rakshakrita Dev Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Bhud Premanande. Oh.